Tommy Bahama shirt, right? Except down at the bottom, there's a guy's fishing, and down at the bottom it says Liars Club. <laughs> Lori said, you can't go up and preach with Liars Club on your back. <laughs> so I didn't wear it. But she's not here today. Tell her. Uh, in fact, um, it was a bit odd Mother's Day this morning. I woke up and nobody was home because Lori and Brianna are up at uh, horse camp this weekend. And the other kids had a sleepover with Nana and Papa, so not one good Mother's Day morning tradition. But uh, there is one annual tradition I need to. Uh, I need to have this morning, and that is wishing Kurt happy Mother's Day. <laughs> For those of you that know Kurt and Julie, you'll understand why that's funny. Um, for all my, my bluster, uh, giving Kurt a hard time about that, you know, I've never once had the courage to wish Julie happy Father's Day. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, uh, I want to live, you know. Uh, so it's, it's Mother's Day, and uh, I am very happy I get to, my mom is here. They, they thought they would come over and uh, surprise me today. And, uh, you know, when her baby's preaching, she has to come and watch, and it's all good. Um, but it is, uh, it's also a bittersweet day for many of us here today. Um, this week, our dear friend and colleague, uh, Kurt's brother Dave, passed away on Tuesday, and so uh, we are hurting, many of us, because of that. And Kurt and I agreed that today would not be the, the time and the place, the appropriate time to kind of do a memorial service for him, but uh, we're going to do that later. But we still want to, you know, we still recognize that a lot of us um, know Dave and love him and um, and we just want to acknowledge that today. And uh, for those of you who don't know Dave, because uh, it's been a little bit of time since they've been here, they moved back to Jackson Hole a couple years ago, I think. What did I just do? Uh, Dave and Jan, back in 1991, moved their family to Belarus just as the Iron Curtain was crumbling all across the Soviet Union. And they started what became the largest Bible college in Belarus. And eventually that Bible college um, was asked by the state to partner with the state in their business program. It's the, the country's, it's like their Harvard MBA program. And the state wanted their students to go to school at the Bible college and do their business courses there because the communist, ex-communist government recognized that they had taken, because they had taken God out of the culture, they had taken morals and ethics out of the culture too. And they wanted to get that back into the culture. And so they asked if their students could come and do their schooling there. How cool is that, you know? Um, I don't know if that's me or not, sorry guys. 
they started what became the largest humanitarian aid organization in that country, and that's significant because Belarus suffer, suffered most of the fallout from Chernobyl. Um, they have a state-of-the-art recording studio. They do more and better Christian music there than anywhere in the, in the former Soviet Union, and they're doing that with uh, TV production as well. And at some point, the KBG, KGB said, we don't want you here anymore, so they came back here, and uh, Dave went to work on staff for a couple years, which was really cool because he was able to go into Kurt's office and close the door and just have a knockdown, drag-out, shot and match with Kurt and, <laughs> and say all the things that all the rest of us wanted to say, but we couldn't. But Dave could do it because he was Kurt's big brother. Uh, and what else? They, he wrote the movie Rogue Saints that was um, produced and filmed here at the, at the church. Uh, and there are just, a, there's a lot of people here who were able to participate in what they were doing in Belarus that uh, a lot of people here traveled there, helped start things there, got to meet the incredible people who are there carrying on that ministry. And I was one of those. I, I got to go there twice with Dave uh, in my capacity as a so-called coffee expert because I spent some years in the coffee coffee world, and we were trying to find a way to create a, a business franchise, small business opportunity for their students coming out of school that they could then go out into the community and, and start their own small business. And so our first trip there, we, we scheduled a seven-day trip to go to Poland and Belarus and Ukraine and back to Poland, studying the coffee market, the retail market and the wholesale market, and that's studying the coffee market, that's euphemism for going to coffee shops and drinking coffee. And uh, so funny, funny story, we, we landed in Warsaw after 24 hours of travel. We were just exhausted. Um, we got there about midday, and our train for Belarus didn't leave till the evening, so that gave us the whole afternoon and the evening to walk around downtown Warsaw and we went to coffee shop after coffee shop after coffee shop. And we'd go in, and we'd get a shot, and we'd try the coffee, and we'd talk about the place and move on to the next one. And after hours of doing that, <laughs> being utterly exhausted, and then just, I don't know, dozen espresso shots. I mean, we had just achieved some kind of weird transcendental state of like, wow! And that's kind of what what Dave was like to travel and do ministry with. He was just so passionate, and especially there. He just came alive when he was there. And it was just so fun to be with him. He was just so wise and so humble and passionate about what he did. And um, so those are just some of the things that Dave did. The real legacy of Dave and the efforts in Belarus, it's, it's the hundreds and thousands of us who knew him or were touched by him personally, and just literally the millions of people whose lives have been and are being profoundly affected because one man said, I want to go where God is doing something, and I want to be a part of that, and that's what he did.
You all right? You good? Okay. Um, so, one of Dave's very apparent traits was he was just incredibly humble. And he just did not like to talk about himself, did not like to blow his own horn. And at this point, were I to continue talking about him, he would just get irritated, I think. And, you know, the cool thing is we're, we're hurting because we missed Dave, but, but really Dave, right now, is doing things. And he's meeting people that he hasn't seen in a long time. And he's seen some of the most extraordinary things, right now as we're talking. And he's experiencing God in an amazing, incredible way. And I just, I, I don't know how much they're aware of what's going on here, but if I just keep talking about him, it, he's gonna get irritated and probably be waiting at the pearly gates for me to. So, we're gonna move on to Mother's Day. And uh, now would be a good time to pray for this little sermon. And so, somebody had the, the uh, idea to ask my mother-in-law, Sharon, to pray for this sermon which is fantastic, and she just loves public speaking, so she's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna pray for her sermon and pray for another church. Lord Jesus, I just lift up before you all of the military chapels around the world. Just ask that your word would go out strong from them today, this special day, this Mother's Day. And I ask you also, Lord, to just anoint John in a new and special way just um, speak through him, Lord. Speak your heart today to us through John. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's Mother's Day. That sort of weird thing that we have backwards where one day of the year we, we make an effort to say thanks. Really, it ought to be one day of the year that we maybe don't say thanks and try to find a special way to celebrate mom. Right, but um, Kurt called on Wednesday and asked if I would if I would do the sermon today, and uh, it just kind of I got hit by a bit of irony because I've actually been doing some research into the significant influence that dads and men have on our kids, and how much we've lost that in our culture. Um, so I was really more ready for a Father's Day message, but um, prayed about it and actually felt like God gave me something that uh, not only is about parenthood, but about mentoring as well. Um, whatever I'm saying about kids, it applies to anybody in our life that we are pouring out into. And we really all ought to have that. We all have something to give and we all ought to have a place and a person where we are able to take what God has given us and, and give it to others. So, um, there is something special, though, about that, that unique relationship between mom and child. In these studies I've done, it's becoming apparent to a lot of people that that, that relationship between mom and child is actually not more important than the relationship between the dad and the child. But nevertheless, there is something um, sort of almost mystical about that relationship. And we kind of, we have a, we see that in a funny way in our house in that 
when it comes to one of our kids getting hurt or sick, something bad happening to them, I am way more sympathetic than Lori. I mean, when, when she gets sick, it just irritates her. And she will actually just add things to her to-do list because she's irritated. I'm a guy, I get sick, right? I head to the couch, I get the TV remote, and I just lay there and moan. <laughs> and Lori's like, 103? Come on, go mow the yard. When it's 105, you know, when your temperature's 105, let me know. I'll worry about it. You know, that's... <laughs> so, you know, the kid, kid has a nightmare, stubs her toe, gets sick, and I'm like, oh, come here. And they're like, I want mommy. <laughs> like, what? I'm, I'm the sympathetic one here. I don't care. I want mommy. <laughs> you know, just, there's just something about that, that special relationship. Um, got to pause here because we can't have a conversation about Mother's Day without acknowledging a couple things. That for some women, they would just desperately love to be a mom, and for whatever reason, they can't. And for some women, um, the thought of mom does not engender warm, fuzzy feelings. You know, mom was not the loving, caring, involved person that she should have been. And so this day can be hard for some people. Which then kind of begs the question, what, what does it mean to be a mother or a father, for that matter? Is it, is it just a biological event? Is it that mom gave birth to you, and so that makes this a special day? I mean, my mom gave birth to me. I'm very thankful for that. Makes our relationship a lot more convenient. You know? <laughs> but um, that's not why I love her. I love her because of all of the love and sacrifice and devotion that she poured out to me. That's why I love her. And, um, you know, one, you know, she's my biological mom, but, but you don't have to have, uh, be a biological parent in order to uh, be a spectacular mom or dad or a mentor. We get to experience this every day in our family in that uh, when Lori was one, her biological dad, Rodney, died uh, while serving our country. He was a carrier-based Marine Corps pilot. And uh, he died flying for our country. And when Lori was two and a half years old, Bill married Sharon and adopted Lori, which is just extraordinary because if you think about it, Bill is this young, handsome attack fighter, could have any woman he wanted, and he chose a single mom with a beautiful little girl, and he chose to be the dad that he didn't have to be, and now and forever, Lori will be his special little girl. And, um, you know, uh, so being a great mother figure, being a great father figure, it's not biological. 
And you do not have to be biologically connected in any way in order to have a profound impact on someone's life. And we've got a fantastic example of that in our church. And that's our, our family pastor, JJ, who was up here before. And I just want to take a moment. I know she's not in here, but you know, hopefully she'll see this later. But I just want to thank her publicly. She is profoundly affecting my kids' walk with the Lord. Um, and I, am, I will be eternally grateful for how she is challenging my kids to go deeper with the Lord. And she's doing it in a way that I just would have never thought of. And it's, it's forced me to be a better parent. And I am so grateful for how she is parenting my kids uh, to, be, to be closer to the Lord. Um, I completely lost my place. There we go. So what does it mean to be a good parent? What is a parent supposed to do to be worthy of a day of celebration? Basics are good. Food, shelter, affection. Clean diaper every now and then. I mean, we all appreciate that, right? Um, but what is being a good parent? Is it providing nice things? Is it having a nice home, nice experiences? Is a good parent uh, somebody who works hard so their, their child can go to a good college and get a good paying job? Is it teaching your children how to be ready to function in the world, how to be safe when they go out of the home and be productive? Is it working really hard so that you can leave a big inheritance for your kids? What is the greatest good that a parent can do for their child? Say it a different way, what's the greatest legacy that a parent can give? For a woman, is it, the, is it being that Proverbs 31 woman? Is it, you know, in that chapter, it's, it starts out talking about the woman in her capacity as, um, as, a, as a wife, but a lot of what she's held in regard for is what she does to take care of her family. And is that it? Is, it? is it caring for our kids? The greatest thing that God calls us to is what? What's that thing that God calls us to that we should then be calling our kids to? Jesus said that the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, we uh, I completely lost my place again. You just would not think I could do that given all the times I went through this. So. Um. <laughs> I guess I need to answer my own question. What's the greatest thing that God calls us to? The greatest thing that we can do for our kids. And that's to... Um, the greatest thing that we can do for our children, the greatest legacy that we can give our children is to train and inspire them to know and follow him with all their hearts. The greatest thing that we can do for our children, the greatest legacy that we can give our children is to train and inspire them to know God and follow after him with all of their hearts. Anything else is secondary to that. 
If we train them to function well in this world, but we don't prepare them for eternity, then we have missed giving them the most important thing. I'm sure you've heard the saying that some endeavor that seems worthless, it's like rearranging the furniture on the Titanic. If you teach your children or anyone else that you're mentoring to be successful in this world, but you don't teach them about eternity and to have their life be in Christ Jesus, then it's kind of like upgrading your suite on the Titanic, right? This cruise is going to end. This cruise is going to end. And if you don't have a reservation on the SS Jesus lifeboat, <laughs> your eternity is not going to be very pleasant. So how then do we inspire our kids to follow Christ? The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So we take our kids to church. We take them to Sunday school and youth group, and maybe we pray before a meal, and we just kind of hope that somehow that's going to stick and that somehow they're going to get it. And too often they don't, sadly, these days, when many kids leave home, they leave their faith, they leave the church. So how do we keep that from happening? How do we inspire our kids to passionately follow after Christ? I wanna make the argument that the best way we do that is by allowing them to see a living and powerful God working through us and making a difference in our lives. Allowing them to see our life as a living example of what it means to go completely after God. And through that, then God has a chance to really become real to them, especially when we create opportunities for them to experience him in their lives, for him to become real in their lives, not just head knowledge. Kurt has spoken recently about Uh, in the Empowered series about how Jesus sent the disciples out that first time and they came back in awe of what had happened. And that's because they had gone out and they had seen the living God working through them. They had seen miracles as a result of the things that they were doing and how God was answering those prayers in that moment. And we've tried to do that in our house um, in, in... showing them that God hears them and will answer their prayers. And so what we came up with was a chalkboard, our prayer chalkboard, and we, it's up in the dining room, and everybody's got a spot on that chalkboard. And you put in there what it, what it is you're praying for, and as we see God answer those prayers, then we can check them off, and we can look up there and say, see, look, God answered that prayer. So when we first did this, we said to the kids, okay, this has to be something that, that God can answer, some prayer that can be answered, because with Brianna and Ian, they're very tender-hearted, and their first thoughts were, you know, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And we were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Ashley, on the other hand, Ashley is a little more focused on, on what she wants. And at six, she's a little more focused on Ashley. And so her prayer was, I want to believe that we can go to Disneyland 
for my seventh birthday, right? And we said, great, that's fantastic. We just need you to know something. We do not have the money to do that. So if that's gonna happen, it's gonna be an answer to prayer because we can't do that. It will have to be a miracle. There's just no way we can do that. So this was in summertime and her birthday's in December. So a couple months after that went up, my parents came for a visit. And mom saw Ashley's prayer about going to Disneyland and she had one of those splnixomai thing moments that Kurt talks about. <laughs> where she just said, I wanna be the answer to that prayer. But my parents don't have the money for that. So they started praying. Now, our family has um, industrial property for sale in Wenatchee. If you're looking for industrial property, um, give me a call. But nothing is selling, especially since 2008. And they started praying about this Disneyland thing, and of course, guess what happens? Phone rings, somebody says, hey, we want to buy a piece of property. And they called us up, and they said, God has answered our prayer, and we want to answer your prayer. We're taking the whole family to Disneyland for Ashley's birthday. Now, I was able to get down on my knees in front of her, look her right in the eye, and say, honey, the God who created this world, who created the universe, the planets, and put the stars in the sky, who has millions and billions of people to look out for, he heard your prayer, and he answered your prayer because he loves you. And as a parent who's trying to show the living God to their child, I was telling you, there's just nothing better than that, you know? Um, things like Sunday school and youth group, they're helpful and they're important. And don't get me wrong, Club 456 has been critical to my daughter's spiritual growth. But they just don't have the same impact that's possible when they see you following after God with all of your heart and when they can see a live, living, real God working through them, answering their prayers. And when they see you following after God more passionately, they're gonna, it's gonna draw them. They're gonna wanna do the same. This just doesn't apply to young children. Um, you can provide all the opportunities you want for a young child to accept Jesus, but at some point, they have to grow up, they have to make their own decisions, and um, some, you know, will choose to walk away. But it's never too late. It's possible to inspire your adult children to follow after God. And you don't do that by nagging, badgering them, you pray, but you also do that by living a life in Christ where they can see God moving mightily through you as you bless others. I am inspired by my parents every day. And you're here today, so you get to be embarrassed because I'm gonna talk about you. But um, They're in their 70s now. Uh, Dad just turned 79 last week. Um, still rides his Goldwing motorcycle. Can can still probably outwork most of the guys in this room. 
Um, you know, growing up, I, I think I've said this before, growing up, it struck me as odd that all of my friends had, had heroes and superheroes, and I never did, and I thought, what's wrong with me? And then when I, when I became an adult, I finally had a kind of a moment of revelation where I said, oh, the reason that I didn't have heroes, superheroes and TV heroes, is because I had heroes in my own home. My dad was my hero for the man that he is. My mom was my sports hero because she was an incredible athlete. And I just, I didn't need to look any farther than that to have heroes as a kid. But as an adult, they continue to inspire me. They have been with Youth with a Mission since 1985. They are not allowed to retire, and they don't want to. They spend six months of the year on the road in their RV with a bunch of other people, going around to various organizations and volunteering their time. And when they're home in Wenatchee, they are doing the same thing. They're volunteering at church, uh, manning a prayer table down in town, working at the local men's shelter. They have missionaries come and stay with them when they're, when they're home on furlough. They just are always looking for ways to, to bless others. They're always going after God. And that, um, that not only has inspired me, but it's completely changed how I see the next 20 or 30 years of my life. How, how I will live out my years. Um, and that's, that's their legacy to me. Do you want to give your kids the greatest legacy ever? Show them what it means to follow after God with everything that you have. Let them see the living God moving through you. Involve them in the things that you're doing in ministry. Pray with them so that when God answers those prayers, they get to see it. And I'm sorry, I gotta say this, but get the compromise out of your life. They see it, and it affects how they think, you t how seriously they think you take your faith. Live your life passionately for Christ. Live your life passionately for Christ. Dave Brunk did that. He took his family to where God was moving and they worked together to create an amazing legacy. They have four kids. Being in missions can be really hard on families it can be really hard on marriages. And after all these years of serving Jesus, after all the sacrifices, they are an incredibly close family. Those kids love each other, they love their parents, and they love Jesus. That's four for four. That's batting a thousand. Way to go. Dave and Jan, you just can't ask for a better legacy than that, right? I mean, it's phenomenal. I want to finish by reading something that Dave wrote. Let it be inspiring to you, but let it also be a call to action for all of us. 
He wrote this in an article called The Greatest Adventure of Your Life. And this is how he ended that article. It may sound surprising, but it wasn't God who called us to Belarus. We wanted to be a part of that. We asked God and he said yes, confirming it every single day before we left there. But first, we wanted to do something outrageous for him. I truly believe that God is doing amazing things in different parts of the world. And you can either set up your ministry in what you want to do and try to make it happen, or you can join God where he's at work and it will be much easier and better. Join God where he's already at work. Do something outrageous for God. It can be difficult, but when Jesus meets you there, you will have the greatest adventure of your life. What's the greatest legacy that you can give your children? To live your life in such an extraordinary and passionate way for Christ that it causes your children and everyone around you to want to do the same. You be the greatest example of living a life passionately for Christ. Amen? Amen. with his family and he never told I never found that out until this morning and not from him but from somebody he told that they told him not to tell me <laughs> because he didn't want anybody to know but he was scheduled to go on a trip with his family for Mother's Day as many people do and so on and that he, as soon as I called him on Wednesday and said I think you're the one that's supposed to take this Sunday for me uh, he said I'm in he never told me <laughs> they had a conflict or anything well that's family right that's what you want so, um, an interesting thing happened. I talked to him on the phone on Wednesday, and I said, I've been praying about it, and I've been asking the Lord what to do, and I know that I don't think I could stand up there and talk, because I just, I certainly couldn't talk about anything but Dave. <laughs> just wasn't a day for that for me, right? And so, but it's Mother's Day, and I want to honor the mothers for real, and I know that as a family, we need to deal with Dave at the same time, and so I was looking for that blended thing, and, and uh, I asked him to see if God was in it, and that we would ping each other, and we would see what would happen, and see if something did, and it did, and God gave him a word, and, and, but the interesting thing was, is as I was going through it, I felt like God gave me a word, and it wasn't a full sermon. I knew that not only should I be standing up here talking about mothers today, uh, but that you guys wouldn't want me to. <laughs> that wouldn't be okay. And I talked to a couple of people about that, and they say, yeah, we'd come take you off stage. <laughs> you know, because it just isn't time for that, right? And it isn't, for truly in my heart, it isn't. I'm having to steer clear of a couple of landmines that I know are in my heart right now. And, and so what happened was, is that I was, uh, I felt like God wanted me to say something, though, 
And so I even got to the place where I went, well, geez, if God really isn't going to give John something, because it's pretty tough to put him in that spot, maybe he wants me to develop that in some fashion and I'm supposed to do something. And I never felt right about that, but I didn't know what to do. So when I called him and said, do you have something from the Lord? He said, yeah, honestly, I do. And then I said, well, what is it? And then he told me what it was. And as he told me what it was, it was a perfect fit for the thing that I felt like he dropped in my heart that I feel like he wanted me to say. And I said, I think that this is the appropriate way to end this time for this family. Okay, understanding it's Mother's Day, and thank you, mothers, for your grace on that something else came up. And if there's a better definition of motherhood than sacrificing what was supposed to be yours for someone else, I don't know what motherhood is, right? And so thank you for once again being gracious in your sacrifice and giving a moment for something else that's come up, right? Yeah, thank you. So, uh, so what happened was, is I just want to tell you what I felt like the Lord said to me, and that was this. What he kept ringing in my heart was, and it's just a quick little story. Uh, I had my moment when I was, when I got into high school, something just went wrong. I don't know what the heck it was, and I want to say it was the 60s, so everything went wrong everywhere. You know what I mean? But I, I got swept up in something, and I really was not a part of, I, I still loved them, and I would still see my family and stuff, but I was not, that wasn't where I was headed in my life. And I was not close to my family. If I could say it that way and yet not be true and yet be true, you know what I'm talking about? I was just doing other things and so on, and I wasn't doing a lot of family stuff. And uh, I was coming to the end of that four or five year journey or so, and, and I called my brother Dave on Thanksgiving, and he happened to be in Elam, and Angie's back there. And when you guys were in Elam, and I called him up in Elam, and I just said, you know, I think it was like Thanksgiving or something, and I said, Dave, I said, I just wanted to wish you happy Thanksgiving. Now, shoot. He's, sorry. He said, Kurt, I love how you always work to keep our family connected. And I want to tell you something. This is true. When he said that, that was not true. <laughs> that was not true. But from the moment that he said that until now, it became true. <laughs> and I think what he did, which I think anybody who knows him at all, and there's much fruit of him even in this place, in the, what was he here, two or three years? You know? But what he would do is, is that he would call out something in you. What was the number one comment that people have made in the hundreds, thousands of comments that have been made to me you know, Facebook and privately and emails and texts and phone calls and the number one comment, by the way, let me say, anybody who's lost somebody really close to them, you know what that tsunami feels like when you're just living your life and you're trying to move on. It's been four or five days. I'm doing better today than I was yesterday, right? And did better yesterday than I did the day before. And I'm, you know, I get it. And I get what's going to go on. And I'm good and God is good and God is great. But I gotta tell you, you, you know what it feels like when you lose somebody extremely close to you, that you'll just be doing nothing. 
And all of a sudden, this thought will come into your mind about them. And it's just this stinking tsunami, right? That just comes and crashes over the, and just wipes everything out. <laughs> and suddenly you're just sitting there going, I was sitting in a plane flying down, trying to write the Facebook post that was the finality of Dave. And I was crying so hard that the stewardesses, God bless them, just cleared the aisle for me and kept the second leg of the flight open for me too. Because it was just so hard to write an announcement about my brother's death, right? And the tsunami. <laughs> but I wanna say to you that the comments, the posts, the sentiment, the heart has been like an opposite tsunami. <laughs> And it has come in with just as much force, even more. And it has picked me up and lifted me up and made me feel hope and made me feel good and made me feel loved and made me feel held. And that's what you guys have done. And you know that. And, but let me just back to the story. What, what people have said in all these just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You know, Dave knows everybody around the world and I know most of the people that he knows. And so it's just been from everywhere all the way. And, and what, what the number one comment has been made is, is when, when Dave was with you, all he really wanted to know what was going on with you. <laughs> I used to have to force Dave. I used to have to say, stop it. Don't ask me another question about me. I want to know about you. <laughs> you know, I want to hear. I, I, uh, sorry, I'm just going to do one little thing here. I was, Dave, right at the very end, uh, Dave had some people in the room and he was trying to make sure that they would go to sushi and that they would be good and that everything would work out good for them. <laughs> and he was, as John said, he was angry, really frustrated that there should be anything that he would be impeding somebody's enjoyment. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I said, boy, if this ever happens to me, I want the fluff. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I don't care, show up, fluff the pillow, hang out, I don't give a rip, okay? <laughs> all right, I care about you, but at that moment in time, I'm okay, all right? But Dave was not, and that's the way that he was, and I literally used to have to tell him all the time, I have to, had to say, no, I wanna hear about you, but that's the way that Dave was, he always wanted to hear, and then this is what I wanted to say, particularly to the moms, to the dads too, but to all of us. Just what John said, be those people that are not only living in the fullness who Christ Jesus is, that's Dave's legacy, you know, God keeps taking all the best ones, right? You know, it's like they sort of are done, you know, there's just no purpose in them standing around anymore, you know what I mean? They, they, they've done such great things, it's just let them come home and rest and be that. Be that person that's just pouring yourself out so much, as John said. But I felt like what the Lord wanted to add to it was be that person who's pouring yourself out for them and calling something out of them. What Tamara talked about last week, where the image of God being reflected, right? We're reflecting God. That's what we are. Yeah, there's a lot of grime that can get on the mirror. But be that mirror. <laughs> that's when you do the best. Right? You can do it in your own strength and it just isn't gonna work. 
You can do it where God is the one who's reflecting through you and is causing that to happen to your children, to your friends, to your, your adult children, to all of the people around you. And there it is. So with that in mind, I'm done. I wanted to thank you for just giving me a couple minutes. I'm going to explain something else in just a second. Just a couple minutes, but communion now. So if you would reach down and if you would grab a hold of the, that cup in front of you. And Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we are mindful in this moment of the way in which Dave and the way in which moms are always about the other person. They're always reflecting your heart to be after somebody and to call out the best in them and to raise them up and to help them and to be excited about them. And so with this tremendous example of not just Dave's life, but of every woman in this place, mother or not, who has this incredible, they have this just incredible gift to be so much about the other person, so sacrificially, it is remarkable. And at this moment in time, what we would ask, Lord Jesus, is that you would give us an anointing and an empowerment, that you would give us this moment that in Jesus' holy and precious name, we would find ourselves doing it joyfully, just like Dave, just like moms, cheerfully, not sacrificially in the sense that we feel what we're losing, but we just can't wait to get the best out of the other person. We just can't wait to hear what that other person is doing. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, Lord God, we lift up this cup in which is your body broken, and we recognize that our lives have been so massively oriented to self that we have missed countless opportunities with children, friends, neighbors, co-workers, all kinds of people. And so we put our finger in there and just break it and say, God, in Jesus' name. But we do that breaking knowing that there is a God that makes us whole. By his stripes we are healed. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we lift this cup up and we say, God, bring your healing. God, orient us, change us, transform us into those who are just excited about everybody that we meet and about what you want to do in their life. In Jesus' name, God, heal us to that place. Take this cup together, would you please? And now, Lord, in your spectacular name, in who you are, this thing that we just prayed for has already been done. We only need enter into it. So thank you, God, that you have already made us the people that you want us to be, and you're just calling it out of us. Jesus, holy and precious name, make your life the one that you have for us, the one that you made us to be. Make that be the fullness of our life. Take together. Thank you, Lord.